0: Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling, and no longer do we really value and love what used to be intrinsically valued as good in, in our world. And you, you speak up about it, and you, and you talk about it, and people will begin to label you, and they will malign you, uh, because you actually see things that are good and see things that are evil, instead of the way increasingly it's becoming in our culture, which is just it's all just a big muddy, you know, it's whatever you call good, whatever I call good, and, and it's up to everybody's own self-definition.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Timothy. Perhaps one of the more recognized passages of Isaiah is none other than, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. As the Apostle Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy, this type of behavior will be commonplace in the last days before the return of Christ. In today's message, Pastor Gary reflects on yet another practice that's taking place right before our very eyes. In his study, you'll learn the importance of holding steadfast to the truth and being bold in calling out evil for what it is. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Timothy, Chapter 3, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: We've gone from capital punishment to corporal punishment to MC Hammer. Can't touch this. I mean, it, like nobody's going to be touched. You touch anybody now. We're talking lawsuits, social services. So, okay, all right, that's fair. But at some point, parents lovingly need to give some guidance in their homes uh, because the condition of our culture towards the return of Christ is going to be increased disobedience to parents. Number seven on the list is ungrateful. I don't know that that really needs any commentary. I mean, how thankful are you? Uh, we see people in our culture who are just ungrateful, just ungrateful, just not thankful about stuff. Uh, number eight is unholy, clearly, a lack of righteousness. Here's some more on the list. Without love. Now, this particular uh, word in the Greek is Estorge Whenever you see the word the letter a on a Greek word, it's the prefix that means it gives the negative connotation, without or not. And storge, which means love, but it's a particular kind of love. You have phileo, which is brotherly love. You have eros, which is romantic love. You have agape, which is Christ-like love. And then you have storge in the Greek, which is family love. And so what he's saying here in particular is that there's going to be less love within a family. It's going to become more more divisive. Uh, they, they, they will not be as close. Uh, Jesus even said in Matthew 24, verse 12, uh, when he was speaking, you read Matthew 24, you go home, because Matthew 24 is a parallel passage to what Paul's writing here. In Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the signs of the times just prior to his second coming. One of the things that he says in Matthew twenty four twelve is that there will be an increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. So there will be an, a... a, a um, A a waning of family love. Number 10 on the list, he says, unforgiving uh, will mark the climate of the culture. You know, people holding a grudge and people being bitter, that's part of the the culture of the end times. Slanderous, number 11. uh, To slander someone is is, uh, evil, malicious talk intended to damage or destroy another person. In Proverbs 10:18, we're warned: "Whoever uh, spreads slander is a fool." God actually calls us a fool if we slander someone. Number 12: uh, People will live without self-control. You know, and I think we're seeing that too. Just people are are just—they're out of control. People say things out of control. they they don't even know how to manage themselves uh, or or their or their lifestyle so we see an out-of-control culture. Number 13 on our list is brutal. Uh, it's the Greek word uh, anemoroi, which again, a meaning without or not, and hemoros meaning tame. So we're, we're, we're not tame. We're, we're out of control. We're brutal. You know, all you have to do is, is see some of these deranged mass killings and, and things, and you know, I know some of that is mental illness and And some of it's just, we're living in a deranged culture. Just people aren't, they're not even tame anymore. They're just brutal. Number 14, not lovers of the good. Not lovers of the good. We're living in an inverted time. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 talks about how Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The things that used to be cherished as good and honored and valued and loved as good. Now, today, because we're so inverted in our culture, we call those things that used to be good evil. And we call things that used to be called evil, now we call it good. Not us, but our culture. It's a very perverted and inverted view of right and wrong in our day. We, we've gone from being appalled at evil to applauding evil. That's what's happened. And no longer do we really value and love what used to be intrinsically valued as good in in our world and you you speak up about it and you and you talk about it and people will begin to label you and they will malign you uh, because you actually see things that are good and see things that are evil instead of the way increasingly it's becoming in our culture which is just it's all just a big muddy you know it's whatever you call good whatever i call good and and it's up to everybody's own self-definition and number 15 treacherous and it literally means someone who betrays, someone who betrays, a lack of loyalty. Uh, number 16 uh, is the word rash. In the NIV, it means to be impulsive. Literally, literally in the Greek, it means to fall forward. Uh, so it's, it's like rushing into things, being rash. Uh, you know, we have a problem in our day of people just coming to rash conclusions and rash judgments, and, and we just need to, you know, calm down. You know, our, our culture just needs to chill out. Just stop, stop being so rash about things. Number 17 is conceited. Conceited, again, if, if you believe the premise that the first one is lovers of themselves is indicative of the rest of these, it makes sense why someone would be conceited because they love themselves. Number 18, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that is the Greek word. That whole phrase is one word in the Greek text, and it's philodonos. Again, from phileo, meaning love, and hedonos, meaning lust, or we get our English word hedonism. There'll be an increase, love of lust and hedonism than God. I just read an article yesterday uh, that was published by the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Uh, the headline of the article is, STDs hit an all-time high in the U.S. for four straight years. Uh, Part of the article yesterday says this, sexually transmitted diseases continue to hit all-time highs in the U.S. with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reporting a 10% spike for chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis in 2017. The Federal Health Agency said in a report released on Tuesday, yesterday, that the numbers, which include nearly 2.3 million new cases of the aforementioned diseases... Just in the US reflect quote a steep sustained increase and quote in STDs since 2013 the data which was presented at the 2018 STD prevention conference that must be a joyful conference to attend <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to the STD conference. <laughs> Have a nice trip. The data which was presented at the 2018 STD Prevention Conference found a 67% increase in gonorrhea diagnoses, which officials sounded alarm over due to the growing threat of untreatable strains. We all know this, right? That the overprescription of antibiotics has now created bacteria-resistant strains, and and they're saying here that with such a 67% increase just over last year in gonorrhea diagnoses, that they have a concern that antibiotics will not be able to treat it. A lover of pleasure. That's what that's about, rather than being a lover of God. And number 19 on the list is a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, we're going to live in a time where there will be religious appearance, but no relationship experience with God. There's a lot of God speak in our world, a lot of people who talk like they're born again. And you know what makes it difficult is because we don't know somebody's heart, sometimes I'm just like, now I don't know, when you say like born again, are you talking like born again, the kind of born again I think born again, or are you thinking different kind of born again? What kind of born again? And now we've got to even talk about what we even mean by terms. He goes, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Does that, does that mean you're a follower of Jesus Christ, or does that mean you're Jewish? You're, you're not Jewish, or you're not Muslim? You're, so people can use labels all kind of weird way. And to me, it just seems like there's a lot of God speak out there in our day, and I just don't even know anymore. You know how, how you can clearly figure out if somebody's part, part of the tribe. You know, are they really part of the Christian community? Are they really followers of Christ? Because they say they are, but then you look at, at their lifestyle, or you listen to some of the things they say, and it and it doesn't it doesn't jive. You know. Now, listen, I'm going to give you an example, but I'm going to give you an example not to judge, but an example of confusion. Okay, because this sounds confusing to me. God's God knows everybody's heart but I'm just going to give you an example of confusion, okay? So Kanye West talked about his faith in an interview. (laughs) He talked about his faith in an interview with, with Chris Jenner in 2013. So there's a mixture of some very interesting people. And this is what he said, quote, I'm a Christian, and I wanted to let people know that that's what's on my mind it's important to me that I grow and walk and raise my family with Christian values, end quote. Now on the surface, okay, that sounds cool. But then when you look at at some of the other things to figure out, does that make sense or is that confusing? So Kanye West has a song called I Am God. I Am A God. And he has an album called Jesus, Y-E-E-Z-U-S, And he even calls himself Jesus. It's a perversion of the name Jesus. And he has profanity all through his songs. And he often wears an expensive chain necklace of the Egyptian god Horus around his neck. And in his song entitled, Eyes Closed, he says, quote, I sold my soul to the devil. So I don't know if that's, is that just like artistic liberty? Or is that, is that confused? Because that's confusing to me. You know, if, if you if you say I want to raise my family with Christian values, but then you're dropping profanity in your songs, it's confusing. You see, and so we're living in a culture where people are like, well, we have a form of godliness, but are are we denying its power, or are we re- really living in the power because we belong to Him? So again, only God knows. And I'm not trying to judge Kanye. I'm just saying, listen, there are a, there are a million Kanyes that just are saying one thing and doing something differently, and it's confusing. And if that's you, you you need to really examine your own heart before God and ask yourself, what kind of an example or witness am I being of the living Lord Jesus in my life? You will be casting a shadow of some kind. You will either be representing Christ, or you will be a poor example of Christ. It's, It's one or the other. There's no neutrality on this. You will either be a, a hindrance to people coming to know Christ, or you will be a stepping stone for people coming to know Christ by the way that you're living your life, and hopefully it should then be consistent, what you say and how you live, with what you believe. And Where there is ever this contradiction where there's this godliness, kind of the God-speak, and we talk about God, we talk about Jesus, but we don't really live our lives like we're under the power of the Lord, then, then that contradiction breeds confusion. And Paul says it's going to be one of the signs uh, of the end times. So let's read on here, see how much further we can get. So verse 6, he says, well, again, at the end of verse 5, remember, he says, have nothing to do with them. Okay, listen, we need, to, we, we need to separate ourselves from the contradiction, and it begins with us. You know, we, we can't be hanging around people that are living such a, a duplicitous life. It starts with us, but then we, we have to be careful. You know, in some ways, it's better for you to hang out with somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all than for somebody who proclaims to know Jesus but by their lifestyle shows hypocrisy. Because you can at least be an effective witness to somebody who doesn't know Christ. So have non-Christian friends. I hope you have non-Christian friends. I hope that you, you know, do life with non-Christian friends. He's not saying here, you know, just become a monk and join a monastery and just, you know, ignore the rest of the world. So we we still need to be salt and light in our world. We need to have non-Christian friends. We need to be a good influence. But the worst thing is to be hanging out with other people that we call brothers and sisters, but we're all living hypocritical, duplicitous lives. So he says, have nothing to do with them. And then in verse 6, he says, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women. Some of your Bibles say gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Circle the word truth. We're going to come back to that. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. There's the word again. The men of depraved, men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, meaning Janus and Jambres, their folly will be clear to everyone. So let me just summarize the culture from these 19, and then we'll come back and talk about what we just read there. The summary of, of the 19 points is basically this, that our world will be a self-absorbed generation that loves self, money, and pleasure, rather than God appearing spiritual and being, quote, religious, but denying the true power of God. Now you look at this phrase, this summary, and you ask yourself, does this look familiar? We're we're living in familiar times. And so I don't know when Christ is going to return, but it sure seems to me that some of these things indicate that it may not be far off. Now, he transitions here to talk about the truth. And one of the things he says is that there's going to be an assault on truth. And these verses we just read, verses 7 and 8, along with, if you'll jump ahead to verse 4, because I want to tie these, these thoughts together. If you jump ahead to verse 4, I want to read verses 3 and 4, and then I want to make a point here that I think he's trying to make about truth. So in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, "...for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth, there's that word again, and turn aside to myths. Now, Lord willing, next week when we come together, I'll have more to say about it when we get into chapter 4, but for the time being, I just want to make these three points that I think Paul is making between chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, and chapter 4, verse 4. He says that when we get closer here, this is still the same context. When we get closer to the return of Christ, there's going to be this assault on truth. Some will learn the truth but never acknowledge it. That's what he says in verse 7. Others will oppose the truth altogether. That's what he says in verse 8. And in verse 4 of chapter 4, he said, still others will turn away from the truth and embrace lies. So again, there's a battle over truth these days. And so, these are familiar things where there, there are some people in our day who, they, they learn the truth, they hear the truth, but they just don't want to live it, they don't want to acknowledge it. Uh, and others who oppose it altogether, I don't agree with it, and then others who are even worse, they turn away from the truth and they start to embrace lies. A Barna Research Group survey on what Americans believe asked the question, is there absolute truth? Sixty-six percent of adults That's all. 66% of adults responded that they believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And the answer that they gave is that different people can define truth in conflicting ways and still be correct. A majority of Americans believe, 66%, there's no such thing as absolute truth. That what you define as truth is good for you. What I define for truth is good for me. 72% of those aged 18 to 25 expressed this belief. So 66% of a cross-section, but specifically 18 to 25 year olds is even worse. 72% said, no such thing as absolute truth. That's because we live in a world today of relativism. We live in a world today of moral tolerance. We live in a world today of political correctness. And in the church, it's creeping in There's a move toward ecumenicalism, which is a fancy word that just means can't we all coexist? Don't we all, you know, believe the same thing. We don't all believe the same thing. Denominations can have differences and still be in fellowship. There's no problem there. But when when we're linking arms together, singing kumbaya because you know, we we believe like Hindus, we believe like Muslims, you know, we are Christians and we it's just, you know, a different path to get to the same God. That's nonsense. We can't all be right, and it's ridiculous to believe such a thing. And so, truth, is, truth is, is being fought over today. By the way, that's not, a, you know, a bigoted Christian thing to say. Any Muslim would say, we, don't, we, we can't all be right. Any Hindu would say, we can't all be right. Okay, so, so Paul is exposing here what will be an assault on the truth. And he mentions two guys in verse 8. By the way, in your Bibles, you might have noticed back in chapter 3, verse 8, Janus and Jambres. It's believed that because he speaks here specifically, these are the guys who opposed Moses. Now, in Exodus 7 to 8, these guys are not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. And, and Paul tells us their names, and they're probably the magicians of Exodus 7 and 8. You remember when Moses first goes to Pharaoh to announce that God has determined to set the Hebrew people free? Pharaoh is reluctant. Pharaoh doesn't want to let his free slave labor force go. And so God uses a series of 10 plagues to uh, pry Pharaoh's stubborn heart uh, loose so that he is at least reluctantly willing to let him go. And so Moses and Aaron show up and uh, throw their staff downs and they turn to snakes to display kind of the power of God. There are magicians who are really, the word is in Exodus 7 and 8, they're sorcerers. They're using what NIV says magic arts, it's demonic. They they counterfeit and they imitate that first thing that Moses and Aaron do throw the stakes, throw the uh, the uh, staffs down they become snakes and Paul tells us their names Exodus is silent about their names so Janus and Jambres throw their their staffs down and they become snakes and then they also replicate the first plague which is turning uh, the the Nile to blood and they also replicate the second plague, but when it comes to the third plague, they can't replicate it any further. You know, Satan can only counterfeit so much, but God is infinitely greater. And Paul is bringing those examples of those guys into this letter to Timothy because he's like, you know, there was a couple of guys who were counterfeiters too, and they were really sold out to to Satan. They weren't really, you know, certainly a follower of, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, In the same way, there's going to be guys even in your own day who are going to be sold out to demonic things and they're going to pervert the truth and therefore some will hear the truth but not acknowledge it. Others will oppose the truth and still others in chapter 4, verse 4 will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myth. So there's this assault on truth today. And this is what our culture has become and is becoming even more. And we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. How do we remain anchored in truth and at the same time discerning about our culture? And how do we stand firm in our faith and unmoved by the shifting sands of society as it trends from bad to worse before the second coming of Christ? Paul answers that. So these are questions that we are confronted with. You know, we're we're living in a culture now. Truth is very relative. Everybody has their own definition of truth. So how can we as Christians stand firm on the truth... And how can we also identify the cultural trends so that we don't get swept up in all those cultural trends as we get closer to the second coming of Christ?
0: If you'd like to explore more of these messages from the book of 2 Timothy, you'll be able to find them at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll find all of Pastor Gary Hamrick's through the Bible teachings there. And you can subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new edition of the program. We're glad you took time to learn from the book of 2 Timothy with us today on Cornerstone Connection. And we hope you've been encouraged listening to the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul was nearing the end of his life when writing to Timothy, but he wasn't planning to slow down his ministry. Paul wanted to continue to share the gospel message wherever and however he could, serving his Savior until his final breath. Paul's mindset is one that you're encouraged to adopt too. No matter your age or stage of life, you can be serving Jesus. You can continue to tell the story of the gospel and lead others to the grace and hope that you know we'd love to come alongside you in prayer as you continue to minister for the kingdom. So please give us a call and let us know how we can do that. 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. Thanks for tuning in today. Pastor Gary will have more to share next time right here on Cornerstone Connection.